0: we bring on David Kender of WHIZ in Zanesville, WKYC in Cleveland. He does it all. He covers this Buckeye program really well, and he is our distinguished guest here on the Nittany Lions Sports Report. David, how are you?
1: Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm I'm doing great to talk with you. You know, after the way the games went the last two seasons, one-point wins for the guys in Scarlet and Gray, I didn't know – If you want to talk to me ever again, know I'm I'm glad to be here with
0: you. Well, we're happy to have you, David. You did a great job on the show last time and and all is love uh, in in this sport. I tell you what, college football, what's so great about it is you can bash heads in for three and a half hours. Maybe that's not the beautiful part. I wish these games were three hours. That's for another time. But three and a half hours and uh, shake hands after it's all said and done.
1: Absolutely. Let me just say, I went to the game last year. It was my first time ever going to Beaver Stadium, and I had heard horror stories about how visiting fans got treated there, and it was not the case for me at all. I had a great time. Everyone there uh, was super nice, and it was an unbelievable atmosphere, unbelievable game. Uh, and none of the rumors I heard about mean old Penn State fans were true at all. No one could have been nicer. It was was unbelievable.
0: (laughs) Well, I am certainly glad to hear that. So this time, Penn State travels out to Columbus. Break down that atmosphere a little bit. If there are folks listening here that are about to get on a flight and head out to Columbus for the first time, what's a game at the Shoe like?
1: Well, obviously I'm a little biased, but it's my favorite stadium in the entire country You know uh it's old it's historic but it still has some of the newer touches to it it doesn't feel like it's crumbling uh it's humongous it's loud it's intimidating it's a lot of fun and it's going to be filled with fans who are hungry to see maybe an exciting game for once this year because they've seen a whole lot of guts uh this season a whole lot of games that we thought were going to be exciting and turned out to not be the case so not saying Buckeye fans want to see a close game but they've been kind of sitting you know, he's too pumped about with uh, close games because there's been a lot of blowouts and a lot of games where the stadium's empty heading into the fourth quarter. So maybe a chance to actually of ruck this environment for once this season.
2: Hey, David, this is Tyler. Uh, quick question in regards to that: you're talking about putting together um, maybe a closer game for the fans. Um, something that caught a lot of people's attention uh, here, at least I'm sure probably in Columbus too, was J.K. Dobbins' comments after the game against Rutgers. I believe the question along the lines was, "What do you you know? Are you ready to play uh, like a four-quarter game or something like that? A full game because he hasn't really played a full a full game this year." And he said, "Well, why does it have to be four quarters?" Um, You know, they've been Ohio State's been steamrolling everybody. Um, If the game comes down to the fourth quarter, like the last three games have, um, obviously um, it looks like it might be a little different this year based uh, upon Vegas and what we've seen in the recent weeks, but. One thing's for certain: the last three games have lived up to the hype. Um, all all decided by three points or less in one direction or the other. So if this game does go the distance, um, you know Penn State appears, uh, based on their schedule, have had a lot more closer games and have been tested more than Ohio State has. In the case that it comes down to you know one possession game either way in the fourth quarter, how do you see it playing out for Ohio State?
1: Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, if it does come down to a final drive or something like that, Penn State has that experience. They've done that this season, whereas Ohio State really hasn't. And when I saw the lines come out on Monday, and I saw I think it started at 18 and now it's gone up to 19, I was stunned. I couldn't believe it was that high. I really don't see it being that kind of game. I see it being a a much closer game. And it's going to be interesting to see how everyone in Ohio State handles it, but mainly for me, Justin Fields who's looked unbelievable this year, but you think about it through 10 games, guys, there has not been a single drive he has done in the second half where the game's really in jeopardy. You look at the Wisconsin game, Wisconsin blocked the punt and they got it to three points in the third quarter, but then Ohio state immediately put the foot to the pedal and they took off and they ended up winning uh, by over three touchdowns. The closest game they played all season long really was that Michigan state game. And they still won that one by 24 points. So, they have not been a situation and Justin Fields as impressive as he's been. And now it's a good thing he hasn't been in this situation, but still you have, to have question marks and you wonder what is he going to be like when he has to lead his team on the game-winning drive because it hasn't been even close to having doing that all season long. Most of the time he's out of there by the fourth quarter because they're up so big. So he hasn't been in a situation at all where he's had to do that this season and no one on Ohio State has. But him in particular, I'm really interested to see the first time he has to go out there and lead the team down the field. What that's going to look like is we just haven't seen it from the Buckeyes this year. Now, now that's a good problem to have, right. but it's still a question mark.
2: Right? Um, no, for for sure. I mean, Ohio State has been so dominant that these guys haven't had to play in the fourth quarter. Uh, but you have to think eventually. Um, you know, assuming you get past Penn State. Then you have Michigan, and then you're gearing up for the the Big Ten Championship, college football semi, and national championship. That time's definitely going to come um, for Justin Fields for Ohio State. Just a matter of time and um, who that is right. against.
0: Not a bad problem to have at this point no. in the season, though, to never play a close game.
2: <laughs> and it, and and to be on, yeah, and to be honest with you, uh, David, it seems like right now you guys are are pretty healthy um, for the most part. I, I'm I'm hearing that uh, Cooper D end. I don't know if he's out for the season or out for the game, um, but outside of of that, it seems like it's a pretty healthy, healthy team going into Saturday's game.
1: Yeah, yeah, for the most part, everyone's really healthy, and that's really kind of in part because a lot of these starters haven't had to play four quarters. I mean, if you're only going out there and you're playing two and a half quarters, you're taking less snaps, so you're going to be a lot more healthy. So, yeah, for the most part, Ohio State's a really healthy team, and you're also going to get a well-rested Chase Young, who hasn't played in all the last two weeks, and it's going to be coming off essentially a two-week bye for him, So. He's going to be in tip-top shape and uh, ready to get back out on the field. And uh, it's going to be a, a tough day to be a Penn State tackle, I would imagine, with lining up against
2: them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if Penn State hedges him a lot with a tight end. I mean, Penn State has really good tight yeah, ends and Fryermuth Muth, and Bowers. And, I mean, I, I don't even know how many NFL offensive tackles can handle uh, Chase Young yeah, as a total, yeah. total animal. And you're
1: you're going to have to try to have a running back yeah, him or double-team him or something or run away from him because – I mean the numbers he put up in the first eight games of the season. Uh, I, I know we were probably going to get to it later, but it was real shame to see him sit out those two uh, two games because I thought he had a really really good chance to not only go to New York City but maybe be a Heisman winner. And I mean I, I think those those chances of winning it are completely gone. They might let him go to New York City and sit on the stage, but I think mean, missing those two games takes them out of the uh, the Heisman conversation. There, yeah,
2: I would I would agree with that, especially playing Maryland and uh, Rockers. That could pad anybody's right. stats. Um, Exactly. Now, now the defense for Ohio State much improved this year. Um, obviously, yeah. the offense has always been successful there, and Ryan Day hasn't missed a beat. Uh, the defense is what's catching a lot of people's eyes, and the um, the improvement there. Um, I know the secondary is very good. We all know about Chase Young. Um, it seems like the the weak spot might be the linebacker group. Um, they mentioned whether it's speed with Borland or, or Werner um, Where if you could. Pinpoint a, uh, a weakness on defense. Where exactly is it?
1: It probably, it probably would be the linebackers, but I don't think it's because the linebackers are bad. I think it's just because the secondary and the uh, defensive line is that good. And even if the linebackers aren't the best unit on the team, they're worlds improved from where they were last season. Uh, if you guys remember, the linebacking core for Ohio State last year was atrocious, and really the defense overall. I mean, they gave up. Last year alone, the two long, the longest rush play in Ohio State history and the longest pass play in Ohio State history. And you guys should remember the past one because it was the 93-yarder that McSorley threw against the Buckeyes uh, last year in Happy Valley. So a historically bad Ohio State defense last season. Through 10 games this year, they've given up 98 points. Through 10 games last year, they gave up 220 points, so more than double what they've given up this season. It, it's been unbelievable to see how much they've stepped up and really improved this year. I mean, last year they were taking horrible angles and just getting beat and giving up long plays every single game. Uh, this year, a world's better. And I think the linebacking corps, like I said, probably the weakest of the three of those units, but still has stepped up big time from what they were doing last year.
0: David Kender is on with us here on the Nittany Lions Sports Report from WHIZ in Zanesville, WKYC in Cleveland. All right, so yes, you mentioned that this defense was historically bad in recent, in the last year. Now it's on the verge of historically good. Yes, there is some attrition from player to player, people going to the NFL, new talent coming in. I see one key difference from this team last year, David. And that is Urban Meyer no longer being there and Ryan Day taking over. <laughs> what I can't do is, right. is is uh, assign the actual value to that. And what Ryan Day has been worse, worth, uh, we're going to ask you that question.
1: Yeah, and uh, I guess Ohio State fans have been really spoiled with first-year head coaches because you look back – Urban Meyer's first year, they went 12-0. and Now they weren't eligible to play in the postseason, but they still went 12-0, and and they give, gave themselves those mythical national championship rings to wear around. But he went 12-0 and his first year, and now so far, if you combine what Ryan Day did last year as the interim head coach winning his first three, now he's won his first 10. So he started as head coach at Ohio State as 13-0. and You've been uh, kind of spoiled with what Buckeye coaches have done in their first season. When I look at Ryan Day and Urban Meyer and I kind of compare the two and where I see the differences, Urban Meyer would go in with his game plan and it seemed like even if that game plan wasn't working, we were still going to do it because in his mind, Ohio State had better athletes than just about anyone they went up against week in and week out. So if you just run it long enough, that game plan is going to work, something's going to break, and the Buckeyes are going to win. And 99% of the time that happened and they did get the victory. They got caught, though, a couple times, like when they went to Purdue and when they went to Iowa City and they got upset by those teams where the game plan just wasn't working. And uh, Urban Meyer, I don't know if it was stubbornness or what it was, just would not go away from that. Ryan Day is almost the exact opposite, where you see they'll run something, and if it doesn't work or if he doesn't like how it is, they won't even wait till halftime to make the adjustments. They'll make the adjustments in-game during the first half. They'll correct what needs to be corrected, and they'll get it taken care of. And you've seen it through 10 games now where they pretty much have blown everybody out. Uh, it, it's crazy to say, but Ryan Day, I mean, much better at making in game adjustments than Urban Meyer. And I mean, it, it's ridiculous to say because Urban Meyer, Hall of Famer, three national championships, and Ryan Day just in his first year. But at least through these 10 games, he has done an unbelievable job at making changes and doing what he has to do and not being stubborn, not putting his foot down and saying, no, we're going to run it like this. Doing the changes that need to be made to get the victory and, most to get the blowout.
0: This is why we have you on, David. I mean, that is the type of answer I was looking for. Take a stand, <laughs> my friend. Now that's that's and that is very telling. Everything you just said there. Yeah. Uh, and I've been very now, not impressed. Now, everyone with in Columbus, obviously, well.
1: still, yeah, everyone in Columbus still loves Urban Meyer and everything he did. It was just sometimes he got an idea in his head and he wanted to run a system and he wasn't going to change it. I mean, he had. J.T. Barrett for all those years, and no matter what, he was going to run J.T. Barrett, and he was going to, even if that meant hurting the running backs, he was going to take away carries from Ezekiel Elliott, and he was going to let J.T. Barrett run the football because that's what his game plan was, and it didn't matter if J.T. Barrett couldn't run the ball or if J.T. Barrett was banged up. Barrett was his guy, and he was going to run the ball, even if he had Ezekiel Elliott or Curtis Samuel back there, and it didn't really matter. Ryan Day, on the other hand, I mean, whoever's the hot hand, he's going to let it ride with them, and he's going to make his in-game changes. Um, So it's been fun to see him sort of take over. And you kind of saw a little bit of it in those three games last year when he was the interim head coach. Now, obviously, Urban Meyer was still there, and he was at practice, was looking over his shoulder every single day. So Ryan Day couldn't truly be himself. But you saw it a little bit. And now that he can fully be the head coach he wants to be, you're sitting on full display.
0: So you answered that question so well. I'm going to ask another question that's just eating away, I think, at the Nittany Lion fan base. What exactly happened with the entire Chase Young situation? Certainly there's national media. There's articles that come out. 24-7 is one yeah. of the sites that does a good job covering it. They have bases all over the country at the different campuses. But really, I don't think anybody in Pennsylvania is is close enough to the situation to really know deep down uh, all what transpired from your perspective, from that of your constituents What happened with Chase Young, and how did it all go down?
1: So what it sounds like was last year when Ohio State went out to the Rose Bowl, he took a cash amount of money to pay his girlfriend's expenses to go out to the Rose Bowl and watch him play in Pasadena. So he took that money, and he paid back the loan before this current season started. Now, what gets tricky is Chase Young says that the person who gave him the money was a family friend. Other people are reporting that, yeah, this person was more or less an uh, upstart NFL agent. So that's where it gets a little bit tricky is who actually gave him the money. The thing that I think is really sad about it is this time next year, Chase Young's going to be a multimillion-dollar athlete, and no one's going to care how much money he makes at the professional level. Um, and in three years, even if he's three, four years, whenever they make the changes, college athletes, it looks like on the horizon are going to be able to get paid anyways. So if he had been born four years later, no one would care if he took this money to give to his girlfriend for the trip. It's just a shame. It happened to him while he was in college in 2019, and those are the rules. He broke the rules. He paid his punishment. Two games, I think it's too steep of a punishment, but at the very least, the two games he sat out for are Rutgers and Maryland. Ohio State did not need him at all for those games to get the win or even the blowouts. So the thing that's the shame is like you said earlier, he probably would have been able to pad his stats. He could have got four sacks on each of those games. So he's sitting at fifteen right now. You could add eight more to that, maybe some forced fumbles, who knows? And that really could go along with this Heisman campaign. Uh, like I said, I think those those odds are gone by now. But it's just it's really kind of a shame in my mind that he had to, this whole thing had to get brought up because like I said, this time next year he's gonna be making millions. And in a few years, college athletes are going to be able to be making money off of their likeness. So he broke the rules. He paid his punishment. Um, I know he's going to be fired up to get back out on the field. And uh, this is going to be his last game ever playing in the horseshoe. I mean, he'll be in the NFL next year. So this is going to be his final time running out of that tunnel and playing in front of the home fans. So I know he's going to want to put on a good show. And he's going to want to get out there and uh, make it count one final time. I'm looking forward to seeing that.
0: I I agree with you first and foremost. No game suspension would have been just fine by me. I, I guess the rules are the rules exactly like you said, but it doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense, nor do I really care whether he takes a couple thousand dollars from somebody to send his girlfriend to the Rose right. Bowl. What I question is the four-game suspension brought it down to two games. What exactly was uncovered in the process of assessing the situation that provided the NCAA the fodder they needed to reduce it from four to two?
1: Well, I think it's like I was saying that it's that tricky situation of who is this guy that gave him the money. You know, it's kind of a he said, she said. He says it's a family friend. Reporters are saying other reporters are saying it's a family friend, and then you have other groups of reporters saying no, it's a, it's an NFL agent who's trying to get his services. So I think maybe in their investigation, they must have found out what they wanted to that this was a family friend. Maybe he had some connections to being an NFL agent, but. They had they had to, That had to have been the piece right there. I don't think it was the amount of money that he took or the fact that if he did or didn't pay it back. I think all that's been said. I think the only question, tricky thing was, who was it that gave him this money?
0: Interesting. Very, very interesting. Wanted to ask now about the game on Saturday. Uh, it's been all things considered a quiet year from a, a weather perspective across college football. I understand that may not be the case on Saturday. What are you expecting and how do you think it affects the football game?
1: Yeah, today was uh, your pretty typical Ohio November day. Uh, slate, gray skies, cold, and always that threat of a little bit of snow falling. Uh, looking at the weather forecast, I think I saw it was going to be high 30s, low 40s, and that same thing. Gray skies and always the chance of a little bit of snow with rain mixed in it. Uh, now they're playing on a turf field, so it's not like we're playing in a, a mud pit here or anything like that. But It'll be interesting to see if we actually do get some precipitation and if you get some rain. I mean, Ohio State really hasn't had to play in the elements a whole a lot, minus the, I uh, believe it was the Wisconsin game, where it really poured down on them. So it'll be interesting to see how they'd handle that. But, I mean, if that takes away the pass game, and the run game for them has been phenomenal this year as well with J.K. Dobbins and Master Teague, who is his backup. And Master Teague would probably start for 10 of the schools in the big 10 if he wasn't at Ohio state. So he's just kind of waiting his time for JK to get out of here. He can become the primary running back. But he's been unbelievable this season as well. So even if they have to keep it on the ground because of weather or the cold, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too concerned about that.
0: So Tyler, unless you have something else, I think we'll, we'll ask David for a, uh... You got something
2: more? I I actually don't. I think we we covered a lot. As always, <laughs> David gives us great insight. Um, so we need a pick. Of yeah, course. we of, well, of course we need a pick. And I think I he, we mentioned the line earlier, and he said he's going to be a little closer than that. Um, but I I expect the Buckeyes' victory coming from David. So I, I would like to hear his pick.
1: Yeah, I I don't. I think nineteen is ridiculous. I think it's going to be one of the first times this year Ohio State is going to have to keep the starters in in the fourth quarter. I think it's going to be a relatively close game. Um, The Ohio State, we didn't even dive into this, but the Ohio State receiving core has been unbelievable this year. I mean, you look at guys like uh, Benjamin Victor, who had the big touchdown last year against Penn State. You look at K.J. Hill, who is nine receptions away from breaking the school's all-time receiving record that David Boston had for over 20 years. I mean, it's an unbelievable receiving group. That because of Chase Young and Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins, they don't get a lot of the headlines, but – Uh, I've loved watching them play all season long. I think they're going to have big performances on Saturday. Uh, Chris Olave as well, he's been really good. And Ohio State's actually started to use the tight end this year. They actually watched some, I guess, Penn State film and realized, hey, tight ends are pretty good. Let's get them involved. And they've done a little bit of that this year. So um, all that being said, uh, my final score prediction for the game, I think this guy's win, but I think Penn State covers the spread. I'm going to go final score 31 21 Ohio State in the shoe. Buckeyes move to 11 and 0, and then move on to the big game with uh, Michigan.
0: Okay, fair peck, fair peck. David Kender with us here from WKYC WHIZ, Cleveland and Zanesville respectively. Now I thought we were going to let you go, and we will shortly. But I have one more prediction to ask you, and this might be even sure. more important than the game. We have two pregame shows coming to columbus ohio this weekend
1: three we have three pregame shows Ten's going to be there oh too. btn oh tailgate no kidding <laughs> <laughs> well let's talk yeah, about you're t- have all three of game day btn and the big fox noon uh pregame show they're all going to be there and they're all going to be within like 200 yards of each other
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's unbelievable so yeah what yeah. what do the logistics look like that for each of those but more importantly so saw- is urban meyer bringing the bigger crowds to big noon kickoff or does college game day continue to carry the day
1: man that that is a great that's way more important than the score prediction question that is a great one i saw a map of where they're all going to be so college game day is going to be near saint john arena which is the old basketball arena which is north of the stadium so i imagine they'll have the backdrop facing the south so that you'll see the uh, the old entrance to the shoe you know the big archway that the iconic archway so i imagine right. that would be their backdrop there then the Fox pregame show and the Big Ten one are going to be near the uh, Southeast Tower where the Victory Bell is, so close to like the student section there. And they're both going to be set up there. And then I think for the second hour of the Fox show, they move it inside the stadium. So that uh, 11 to noon hour, they're going to actually be in the shoe doing their show. Um, That is a fantastic question, though, because College Game Day has such a long history of being in Columbus. I think this is their 19th time coming to Columbus, which is the most all-time. You see it every week they show. The very first time Lee Corso put on a uh, mascot head, it was Brutus Buckeyes yes. back in the 90s. Yes, so it was. College Game Day is so tied in with Ohio State, and people always flock to go see uh, the show there, and they do such a great job with it. But I would venture to say Urban Meyer in the Fox pregame show would outdraw them in this one specific case because he's. I think he's been phenomenal on the show. He was so buttoned up when he was a head coach, and he didn't say anything – Besides what was in the press notes, and he wouldn't, never really wanted to give a sound bite. But I watch him on the Fox shows, and he's like a completely different person now. He's funny, he's insightful, he's giving his true opinions on things, uh, and you factor that with the fact that he's the former Rock High coach. I, I would assume he would have a bigger crowd around his uh, desk than they're going to have over at, uh, the four-letter network uh, a few hundred yards away.
0: <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, in, in the studio here we actually have – two TVs out in the main room there, and we are going to uh, be watching both shows on Saturday morning and, and giving our grades, so to speak. I, I am excited to see both, see what they're talking about, and see which one brings the noise from Columbus, Ohio.
1: Yeah, I think the Big Ten Network's one's going to have to pay people to show up to <laughs> those, I don't know who's going to willingly choose to ignore Lee Corso and Urban Meyer to go to the Big Ten Network one, so they might have to give out some free stuff, just to get people to hang out for a little bit there
0: that is great david kender with us here answering the important questions leading up to penn state (laughs) ohio state a distinguished guest an honorary guest of ours that we really appreciate you making the time for us here becoming a good friend of the show from out there in ohio and hopefully we can do this again next year
1: yeah what's what's your guys' score prediction
2: wow wow um I think Penn state's gonna cover as well i think nineteen eighteen whatever you want to call it's very steep um you know the la- just based off the last couple of years the way the way these games have gone um you know last time Penn state won actually they were heavy underdogs at home um in twenty sixteen the block kick everybody knows the story there and then um you know the last two years Penn state as us fans were very confident going into those games and we lost both by by one point in devastating fashion. But I think, you know, David, I'm right there kind of with you in that that 10-point area, but I'm going to go 14. Uh, I actually think it's going to be 35-21 Ohio State.
0: And to be Great. honest, I, I'm, I'm thinking about taking the Buckeyes um, with those points. Wow. Um,
1: you guys are going to have the whole Penn, state of Pennsylvania turning on yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> I think so.
0: I think so. But we, we've been good about predicting this team. We've been... I think what right nine out of ten times this year actually we've been pretty at least you've been and against I, I've been spread. right there
2: maybe eight eight I'm out 10 I'm assuming Minnesota
0: so. messed that up for you guys. Minnesota was yes the, yep, yep no doubt about that one. <laughs> Did not see an outright loss to be honest with you. Yeah, but uh, but we shall see. It's what makes it fun and uh, looking forward to meaningful football in mid-November. If you're a Penn State football fan with a red-shirt sophomore quarterback. Not many senior and junior playmakers. I think you'll take that and, and take this experience going into next year. And who knows? Maybe something happens and Penn State can squeak one and, and control their own destiny. But but if not, I think the train's moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm just excited to see a matchup between two, uh, two top-notch Big Ten programs and just happy to see good teams ranked at the top in the Big Ten. It's always good to see the, uh, the Big Ten conference represented well.
0: No doubt about that. All right, David, thank you so much for the time. Sorry to keep you, and we will talk soon. Enjoy the game on Saturday.
1: Yeah, no problem, guys. Look for me in the stands. I'll be the one wearing scarlet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You got it. All right, good night, David. Take care, guys. Talk to you later. See you. Thank you. Bye-bye.